Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Norman. I'm joined this week by Owen Hughes. Hello. And Paul Field. Evening, fellas. As we tackle the next, or last week or so, film. Um, we're not reviewing Ghostbusters because Owen cocked up. It was my fault. Yeah. It was my fault. When I put all the agenda together and I, I go through a big schedule and I put a big spreadsheet of when films are coming out, what weeks we'll be reviewing them, I noticed that Ghostbusters was coming out this week and like a fool, I didn't check the day. I just put it down as, a, oh, it's coming out at the end of the week. Therefore, we'll be reviewing it next week on the podcast. Um, are, you, are you reviewing the the, the the actual one or the, the link I sent you for the treble x ghostbusters parody one the brazzers one yeah, yeah that probably, pretty good. probably not probably not oh. <laughs> that's that will be reviewed on mine and paul's new failed critics porn podcast <laughs> i can that see it happening i can see it happening <laughs> um but yeah so it's basically it's pushed back till next week uh, i didn't realize it was out on the monday um which means this week's new releases the big releases for us are the legend of tarzan yawn and uh, Paul's going to review the Neon Demon, which I'm looking forward to hearing about. Excellent. Mm, wonderful. Wunderbar, as they say in Germany. Oh, Germany, is that where they say that? Probably, yeah. That's good. And, and other German-speaking nations across the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, parts of Switzerland, maybe. Yeah, parts of Belgium as well, I think. Austria. Yeah. Mm, Austria, that's a good one. And, yeah, German classes at school. Anyway, uh, on to the quiz, and I went to see Beyonce in concert last week. So, in fact, this time last week, I was there watching Beyonce, Giselle Knowles, Hyphen Carter, live in action. Um, Did you like it? It's all right. As a girl, it was the girlfriend's birthday <laughs> present. I went with her. I mean, it's a good show. It's not my kind of music, but she's certainly a, a top-notch performer. Oh, I was going to say, you completely missed the point of my pun then. It says, did you like it? And then she did put a ring on. Anyway, carry on, Steve. Carry she, on with the she video. Did, she, she didn't do that in her set. Really? Mm. To manage your money back. I was, I was a bit disappointed because it is one of the only ones I know. More of a fan of her Destiny's Child work, I must admit. Did she do the gold member song? She was in the film, wasn't she? The Austin Powers gold member. I don't know. If oh, I don't know. But anyway, let's, <laughs> yeah. let, let's carry on with the quiz. And see, I had a little sound, but because in the Destiny's Child song, 
independent women at the start like the first bit she says question i was going to use that at the start <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't play through properly but the idea of this quiz is it's going to be about um singers musicians um in films mm-hmm. um and it's going to be a, a question. That's where that was going to come in. Or nominate. I was going to say the nominate bit in my own dulcet tones. Um, so it's, it's, there's three questions each, but you have the opportunity to nominate the other person to answer the question. If the person you nominate gets the question right, they will get two points rather than one. Whereas if you answer the question right yourself, you will just get the one point. Oh, can I nominate you to answer it? No, you have to nominate <laughs> Paul. I see. Okay. If you, if you right. think, Paul, if you, I can, I will, I will ask the question. <laughs> Are will, any of these singers pre nineteen ninety? Um. Yeah. Okay. They were born pre nineteen ninety. Or one of one of them is. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I don't know anything after nineteen ninety. So, so what I'll do is I'll ask the question, and then I'll say, "Question or nominate," and you say you can decide whether you want to answer it yourself because you know the answer, or if you don't think the other person will know the answer. Actually, no, I'm not going to ask, give you the question. <laughs> I'm just going to give you the option of question or nominate and then do it that way. All right. Okay. Right. So, Owen, you're up first. Yes. Question or nominate? Uh, nominate. Oh, oh fuck off. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. Right. So right. First, will Smith is a man who does both songs and films right and sometimes he does songs for films that he's in that sounds like you've just read that straight off the wikipedia page then yeah <laughs> right but out of men in black wild wild west and the song um that was called gotta be real that he did for the film shark tale with mary j blige which one ranked highest in the uk charts i don't know the first one <laughs> What, Men in Black? Yeah. You are correct. Men in Black. Oh, <laughs> that was an easy one, though. Number, yeah, but he didn't, he didn't know. He just got it by <laughs> Men in Black reached number one in the UK chart. Wild Wild West did somewhat better than what the bloody film did because it was second in the mm. UK chart and the one with Mary J. Bilge didn't, didn't even chart. Yeah, it was <laughs> it the Men in Black soundtrack, actually, on vinyl. I bet you do. I didn't think it was Bilge. Is this a joke? Yeah, it was a joke. Okay. Good. <laughs> I'm not a fan of her work. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Um, Paul, question or nominate? Oh, nominate. Ah, okay. Right. Um, Owen, some, what may have, have ruined this, this question already, but in which of the Austin Powers films did Beyonce Knowles feature? <laughs> Was it A, International <laughs> Man of Mystery, B, The Spy Who Shagged Me, or C, Gold Member? I believe that was Gold Member. You are correct in your assumption that that was gold. Member is two all. Two. Mm. Okay. Mm. Two. What? Two points because of nominating her. Because yeah, because you both nominated and you both got questions right, so you got to both got two points. Okay. Okay. I'm still shocked. I got a question right on the quiz. You get, if you get your own question right, you get a point. If you get a question right that you're nominated for, you get two points. Fine. Gotcha. Okay. Got it. So, Owen, question or nominate? Uh, question. I'll have a question. He's gone brave. Mm-hmm. Which of the following has Beyonce starred? Uh, which musical uh, version, which film version of a musical <laughs> Beyonce starred in? Is it uh, A, Chicago, 
B, Stomp, or C, Dream Girls? How racist does it make me sound if I say Dream Girls because I don't, I haven't seen any of them? It's, well, dream Girls, I, Dream Girls. Because you're correct, you're not actually racist. If okay, good. If I only based it because, you know, they're black, aren't they? If you're, I mean, that's I it. Don't, I don't know. Are they? I mean, what is colour? Well, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> so, yes, that is correct. <laughs> Paul, question or nominate? So if I nominate Owen and he gets it wrong, what happens? <laughs> then he gets no points. Oh, I don't get anything, so I might as well take the question then. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, you could choice. nominate and I could answer it correct and get a point, or you could nominate and I get it wrong and neither of us get points, right? Yes, yeah. there's no advantage to nominating at all. Only if you're ahead. If you don't, if you don't think they'll, yeah, maybe. Yeah, if they don't get it right, you just know you don't get anything for it anyway. So right. Uh... <laughs> anyway, crack on. I'll, I'll have a right. question. I can't change the rules halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, Justin Timberlake is another man who does films and music, but which um, cartoon? Has he lent film version of a cartoon? Has he lent his voice to? Is it A. Garfield, B. Top Cat, or C. Yogi Bear? I'm Yogi Bear. Oh, you're good. Good with your guessing tonight, Paul. Oh, blimey! Is it real? Is it right? Yes. Three all going into the last round of questioning. No, in question or nominate. So, you know, there's no point me nominating unless Paul's going to nominate me in his next question, which he wouldn't do because all he no, needs is a point. But I yeah. didn't think the rules were... <laughs> so, question, please. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about how to be clever with the Beyonce song. Yeah. Rough rules. <laughs> um, okay, question. So, out of the Eminem film Eight Mile mm-hmm. and the 50 Cent movie... Uh, get rich or die trying. Which one, according to Box Office Mojo, has had the highest lifetime gross? Oh, eight mile. You are correct. Yeah. It is eight mile. Is there anything that Fifty Cent's put his name to earn more than Fifty Cent's? I mean, his stuff is shit, isn't it? Really, let's be honest. Yeah, but you know, it was like his first movie, and I thought it might have tricked you that way, like thinking, oh. Um, that kind of thing. Do you know he's been on screen with both Robert De Niro and Al Pacino in the same film? <laughs> you know, not many... You know, Marlon Brando didn't do that. But 50 Cent, yeah, in Righteous Kill, on screen with a pair of them. Good agent. Mm. Wasn't he also in a film that was made and funded by Rio Ferdinand and Ashley Cole? Yes! That with was... Danny Dyer, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. So. The one where they um, go halfway across the country to get some money off some drug dealer in a field who's holding a, you know, rave. I can't remember what it's called, though. I can't remember. I really, I really enjoyed it. It wasn't bad, actually. Tam Hassan, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Of course it was. Um, <laughs> so, Owen is, is four, uh, four, three up. We're going into the last question. Um, and this one might be a bit more your era, Paul. 
It on. is, right. Question or nominate, first of all. <laughs> Clearly. Before three days, Question. remember. <laughs> Question. Right. Um, Elvis Presley is another man who did films Fuck and acting. Come <laughs> <laughs> on. Oh, Paul, you're old. Oh. I'm not, I've not done old jokes on you before. I used to do them James all the time, and he's gone now. So, um, But anyway, which of these was his first um, first feature film credit? Was it A, Loving You, B, Love Me Tender, or C, Jailhouse Rock? I am so glad you didn't nominate that one. Loving You. You are incorrect. You have lost the quiz. It was Lovely Tender in 1956. The other two in 1957 movies. So the, you chose two that were only like a year between them anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, they were just the first three on his, on his thing. Wow. It was the only one I hadn't heard of, so I assume that might have been the first one, but there you go. Mm. Good quiz, that, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was brilliant, Steve. It was brilliant, brilliant Steve. Next time, before I think up the name, I need to think up the... the... <laughs> right, oh, Owen's, Owen's tuning up now, and he's closer to making me watch something terrible. Columbo. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've got to get away from Columbo now. Got to no, get away from Columbo, Kill Keith, you know, all those films. Mm. Uh, on, on to the news. Um, and there's, there's two um, major news, that, well... Major-ish news items. News items worthy of us talking about this week. Um, the first of which is um, the announcement that in the newest Star Trek movie, Star Trek Beyond, um, that the character of Sulu will will now be um, will now be gay, which has caused some um, issue with the original actor George Takei. Yeah. Well, the issue is he's saying that the original character wasn't gay. Are they just doing this because it's sort of, you know, false, unwarranted praise for being, uh, you know, aware of of their place in pop culture and stuff? And, you know, is it a genuine attempt to correct that? Are they genuinely looking at the the film and going, look, we've got this multi-million dollar franchise this is our opportunity to say to gay kids, people, adults out there, that look, it's okay to be gay, it's fine. We've got this guy who eventually becomes captain of a Starship Enterprise. He's going to be gay. Um, so I, could, I, but, could, I can see both points of view. Simon's Peg, Simon Pegg's um, opinion or reasoning for this, because he's the, the writer or co-writer of the film, as well as playing yeah. Scotty, is that he um, he said that we wanted to put a, a gay character in there. Uh, we They wanted to, to make it Sula was kind of a tribute to George Takei and all the work he's done for the LGBT community and being quite an outspoken activist and all that kind of thing. Um, and then he also said that as we wanted to have a gay character in there, if we just introduced a new character who happened to be gay, then they would just be known as the he gay did. character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I can also see George Takei's point of view as well. The character was never meant to be like that from the original creator, who already was apparently a quite forward-thinking and, and you know progressive-thinking person when he was writing storylines for the original TV series. Um, so I can kind of see both points of view. 
Mm, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's the thing that Simon Pegg says we decided. You know, who's we? Is it the studio sort of saying this will be good because if we have a yeah. gay character, we now appeal to a wider audience? You know, is that really it, the best way to do it? Or is it stuff, just... Does stuff work like that? Like, oh, if we have a gay in it and the gays will like it. Is it is it really as simple as that? It's all nonsense because I've seen Harold and Kumar and those boys, they're all about the puss. <laughs> <laughs> you know that, like... If Paul, you know, people aren't the same character in different films. That's the same guy. He's just he's just in a spaceship, stoned, isn't he? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Star Trek's um, perhaps not your thing, is it, Paul? Be more into the other one. The other one. <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. That's the one. Starship Troopers. Mm. Yeah, all great films. No, I like. Do you know what? I, I've actually seen every episode of every series of Star Trek, including the original one, and all the films. I, I really, I do really? actually. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. You're a Trekkie. I never knew that. Oh, no, it's not that I, I've just seen them all. Just in the same way I've seen every single thing that Marvel have done. I just, I just you know, mm-hmm. I can take it or leave it. Get a life. <laughs> Well, it, I mean, you, you can't say anything, Steve, after, you know, the past few days of Pokemoning. I mean... So you've been Pokemon as well. You've been... I am Pokemon. not claiming to have a life. <laughs> I'm, I'm claiming... I mentioned to Steve earlier before we started recording, before you were there, Owen, I may well be about to ruin Pokemon for Steve later. That's all I'm saying. Nah, this game's far too much fun. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> no, honestly, this game's ridiculously fun, isn't it? <laughs> it's just stupidly addictive. You don't do anything. You just sit in your living room and wait for something to pop up on the screen. You put one of them incense things out and just yeah. wait for Pokemon to appear and then go and find the gyms. I've heard all these stories of like really weird like places for gyms. Like, there's mm-hmm. a police station in Australia and people have just been going into it to try and... Yep. Yeah. There's people being chucked out of like secure locations because they're climbing fences to try and get a dratini or whatever. There's, there's, uh... There was one that I read on Facebook, which I'm I'm sure was a joke, but I like to think it's real. Where somebody had put, um, oh, the other yeah, yeah, earlier today, um, a young boy and girl about 11 years old knocked on my door um, and said, "Oh, excuse me, sir, there's a Pikachu in your back garden. Can we go and catch it?" And the boy reminded me of myself when I was his age. So I slammed the door in their face, and now I've got a fucking Pikachu. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've seen that going around as well. My um, my son's left the house three times this evening. Three times, unheard of. It's all that fresh air be no good for him. It's, it can't it can't be good for him. He's like left the PS4 to, yeah. to outside to do something. Obviously, he's, he's come back. He's gone again. He's come back. He's got, I'm like. This, this counts as going outside and exercise. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because there's the, there these egg things that you have to walk a certain distance from the hatch. Yeah, yeah. If you walk sort of two kilometres, five kilometres or ten kilometres, you get more Pokemon that hatch from these eggs that you collect from Pokestops, which are various landmarks around the... It's, <coughs> it's just a phenomenon, isn't it? It's weird how... It's not, uh, even, was, it's not even meant to be out in the UK yet. It's not even officially released here, and yet... It's almost got the same number of subscribers worldwide as Twitter. That's just insane, isn't it? I think it like all the young people, like kids and that, are going for it. But all the people sort of our age who probably played Pokemon Red or Blue are going for yeah. it because it's just got the original like hundred. It's only those original. It's not all got them weird new ones that make me a bit scared, and I don't really like them, and I understand it. 
<laughs> it's got like... uh, I do get addicted to the games when they come out. I have to. I, I'm looking forward to the new ones just because I know I can just sit and waste hours on it. Which which one did you pick as your out of your first three? Well, you know, Charmander, Squirtle, or Bulbasaur. Which one do you go a for? Squirter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Paul's interested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, Honestly, we're... you are. You may as well speak, be speaking in Japanese. I've we're... I've never played Pokemon. I don't understand it. I don't know what it is. Yeah. See, Paul, the thing is, Steve, you and me, we were what twelve when it came out in the UK, ninety-seven, ninety-eight, I think it was. Yeah, about that. Yeah. So it was just the right I was age. Out fucking to birds. <laughs> I bet you were. <laughs> I was 27. I'll tell you, mate. I oh, fucking yeah. was. <laughs> Paul was the 10-year-old running around telling all his mates he's already got pubes. Jade <laughs> <laughs> yeah. from the in-betweeners, wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, you've not answered my question. Which one Which one do you pick out of them first three? Uh, I normally would have gone for a Squirtle, but I chose Charmander. I always, I always go Charmander. Yeah. Always. So nerdy. so anyway (laughs) yeah on to to other news um and um tv series um shooter which was going to be starring or is going to still be starring um brian philippe and about a um expert marksman has been um postponed um because of the events in america in the last uh, week or so um it was meant to start on the 19th of july and um yes i said it was about a uh, it's about a, a, a marksman um but obviously because of the events following on from the um events involving police in america they've, they've now postponed it it's just more of a, a wider discussion on if it's the right thing to do morally ethically whatever because it's not the first time that programs have been or films have been postponed delayed had title changes um had changes because of uh, real life events the example i thought of earlier was uh the ben stiller jonah hill vince vaughan Richard Iodi comedy from a few years ago called, which is called The Watch, and I think it's meant to be called Neighborhood Watch, and because of um, shootings involving a Neighborhood Watch member, they then had to change or decided to change the title, and I think possibly even put back the release date. Yeah, I mean, in some respects, you you do kind of understand why, but I just think it's a little bit of, it's not an overreaction, is it? It's just them, they're trying to be sensitive to the topic and so it, it, I'm really I'm torn about it I, part of me thinks well logically no they're two completely different things anyone who's making that connection and is offended by it is really just you know oversensitive um however you know if there was a mass shooting that happened and someone you knew was killed in it and the next thing that comes up on tv is this show glorifying a sniper you would feel very upset, and so it's kind of respectful to delay it, maybe. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? Am I because I'm on the fence on this? I really. think it depends entirely on the situation, and if it's, you know, if it's some like lunatic who's gone out and shot people, then by delaying it, you're almost kind of you know giving him publicity and, and falling mm. into into his hands. No way, let it run. If you're 
programs called firebombing an orphanage and somebody the day before firebombs an orphanage, you might want to not put that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to make it as black and white as that, but you can see kind of. I, th- I think you know if 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 the if this show was coming out the day that this happened, I'd well, they ha- wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have had a, a choice, would they? I mean, they didn't no, pull it, it at the last minute. Or no, but that's what I mean. So, say this, you know, say the shooting was happening at, at lunchtime, and the, the show was meant to go out at nine o'clock in in the evening. I think then you kind of have realistic reasoning, whether you do or not logistically, but you have realistic reasoning to say, okay, we'll start it next week and we'll run the series season on a week later or do two episodes, whatever, to catch up, but we won't air it tonight. But if it's sort of a week or so later, as brutal and as harsh as this might sound, stuff happens, life happens, events happen, and you can't just sort of control immediate, like not immediate, like TV and film, because something's happened. You can't just say, oh, shooting's happened, so we can't show a TV show now about shooting because it'll offend people. It's, you know, you can't just... It's like, you know, it, it happens all the time by accident, this kind of thing. Or maybe not accident, but neg- sort of negligence, I guess, in in the way that um, you can pick up a newspaper, open it up, and there's a picture of Gaza in it. He's dark, bollock naked, crawling out of a taxi... Uh, whatever time in the in, morning. In Portland, Dorset, I hasten to add, Steve. No, Boscombe. <laughs> was it? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and if you, if you know Boscombe, Boscombe is... Actually, down by the beach is lovely. The further you get away from the beach, it's all halfway houses and it's just scummy hellhole. Mm. I was but there, anyway, the point I was making, ago, mate. It was grim. Is that you yeah. could open up a newspaper and you could see that on one page and on the page next to it could be, like, you know, an advert for Stella or something. And it's just like this, these things happen and it's going to be insensitive and it's, you know, it's nothing really to get upset it, about. It's, it's not done intentionally, is it? Yeah, it's not insensitive because it's not deliberate. Yeah, if it was like... It's, un, it's unfortunate, perhaps. If there was a study says diabetics die 30 years earlier than other people and then on the next page was an advert for a Mars bar, then you kind of think, well, there's something deliberate there, you know, if they've done it as a joke. But I mean... It doesn't really... I was going to say, it's always been like this in this country. You guys are too young to remember, but in the evening on telly when we didn't have digital TV... Just just four channels. Just four channels, right? channel four in certain parts of the country. So you'd have news at 10, right? Hmm. And at half past 10 when it finished, quite often you'd get a film. So you might get something like Alien, right? Mm -hmm. Some bastard goes and dies in the day the bloke from On the Buses or something like this. At the end of the news, they would like, Reginald Bosing would come out and go, and finally, tell you about this guy who died. And then immediately afterwards, they say, tonight's film, unfortunately, has been postponed due to the death of the bloke from On the Buses, and we'll be showing a tribute to him instead. And then they'd show you an episode yeah. of an old mm-hmm. sitcom. And I'd be like, crushed. <laughs> <laughs> now they just move it to ITV3. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, they're changing the name of this... Uh, sorry, they haven't changed the name, have they? Delayed Shooter. Yeah, yeah, delayed um, the release of the the opening episode. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's both admirable that they're recognising it, but at the same time, the, the programme's still the same. Nothing's changed in the programme, has it? So... <laughs> is yeah. it just a sort of tribute, or is it actually... I don't think it's a tribute. Anything. I think it's sort of a... Oh, is this too soon to be showing this? Will it offend people? And 
because it's the subject matter is quite similar and it's you know they just rather avoid any aggro fucking hell everyone's offended by everything nowadays people live to be offended what a load of bollocks yeah In what we've been watching, we're going to review Speed slash and what was it, Owen? The Harvesting. The Harvesting. Mm. Um, I'm going to start off with reviewing the 1995, um, no, 1994, I think it was released, um, action film Speed starring Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves. Uh, it is an award-winning movie. Won two Academy Awards. Well, well best costumes, best action. Be- well, they don't have best action, do they? What's that? Best, best cinematography. Best best costume for the bus. Mm-hmm. No, uh, <laughs> best best sound editing and best sound mixing. Of course, oh, the big the big ones. Oh yeah, the ones that everybody <laughs> wants. If you're in the sound editing and sound mixing business, Speed used to be one of those that you would. You know, test your serene zone with though, wasn't it? Speed and yeah. uh, what was the other one? People used to have Gladiator. Those were the two that, if you were going to test your new Dolby serene zone, or was that just that was me? just you? I used to do yeah. a Clint Eastwood film with a helicopter in it because helicopters going across the room. That was the best thing to use. Oh yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, so yes, if you don't know the story now, um, Homer Simpson once called it the bu- the bus that wouldn't slow down. He did. Yeah. Famously, and yes. the film has never quite recovered from that. No, <laughs> a better title in my mind. Yeah. Um, but yes, so it's about a a terrorist who decides to put a bomb on a city bus and say if it goes lower than fifty miles an hour, the bomb is going to blow up, um, and he wants he wants some money and ransom. Um, it is still just quite a good, stupid, switch your mind off action film. But Keanu Reeves is just at his woodenest. <laughs> if that's even a word, he's just... Probably most wooden. Woodenest. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, it just There's kind of no charisma or anything. Is there any films where he shows some charisma? Uh, John Wick, I thought he was good in. I've not seen John Wick myself. Um, he's in The Neon Demon. Is he? Oh, yeah, he is, yeah. I mean, the last film I saw him in was what was it? Was it what, Knock Knock? The one where the t- oh yeah yeah oh, I love that. I didn't I didn't mind it as a film, but he he was wooden in it as as you like. He was not very. He's not a. He must be the the worst best paid actor. <laughs> yeah, like the worst big deal actor I think for me. It's an, it's a strange one, isn't he? I mean, I quite like him. I quite like Keanu Reeves. I like him in films, but when he's bad, he's horrendous. Mm. You know, when you watch something like, um, you know, what was the Dracula? Bram Stoker's Dracula he did. Um, Francis Ford Coppola's. Yeah. I mean, that is awful. And he's awful in it. Um, But then you see him in stuff like John Wick or The Matrix, you know, where he's just super cool because that's just the way he is. He's got a different kind of aura to other movie stars he was in the remake of the, the day the earth stood still and he was awful in that yeah where he was supposed to play a, mono, a monotonous 
robotic. Yeah, even even when he's meant to be playing someone monotonous and robotic, he was terrible at it. So, but yeah, I, I still like the film. It's just stupid, isn't it? It's just silly fun. Some of it doesn't make sense. Uh, some of it doesn't bear thinking about. It's certainly better than the sequel, uh, Cruise Control, where I don't think Keanu Reeves was in Cruise Control, was he? No. Sandra Bullock was back. But, um, yeah. When was that? When did that come out? 19... 1997. Oh, okay, so we're still a couple of years off Matrix at that point anyway, then. Yeah, I mean, Sandra Bullock starred alongside Willem Dafoe and Jason Patrick in Cruise Control. I'm guessing Willem Dafoe was the uh, bad guy. Just uh, an assumption there. Let me have a look. <laughs> we're checking, we're fact-checking this. Uh, he was, yes, the main antagonist in the film, John Geiger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's why you get Willem Dafoe, isn't it? Mm. And that's the last one, Trio. Yeah. Want him to do some uh, penetration. Um, uh, yeah. In the Antichrist? No? Oh, yeah, I remember you made me watch that, didn't you? I did, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I think um, Speed is, is showing on Film 4 quite regularly at the moment. If you haven't seen it, just just give it a watch. If you've got nothing better than it, you, you, won't, you won't be bored, you'll enjoy it. Mm. You'll want you'll question why you've enjoyed it, but you'll enjoy it. Sure. And Paul. Um, yeah, I, well, I was fortunate enough to end up at the uh, Munich Film Festival uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, unbeknownst to me at the time when I was in Munich, I, I just thought it was kind of a load of local films and stuff, and it was going to be you know a bit naff. And I was looking through what was on and there were shit tons of stuff so um pick some something at random and, and went along to see it really easy to get tickets beautiful cinemas with beer gardens inside the cinema mm. it was like six seven quid to get in um director was there for a q a and i saw a film called slash which i think i mentioned it to you before we started recording it's about um, fan fiction and very specifically a subgenre of fan fiction, which is known as slash, where uh, the authors create um, stories about relationships between same sex, normally uh, fictional characters. So you'll have some Dumbledore on Gandalf action, some Kirk <laughs> on Spock action, um, and it centres around this guy, uh, Neil, who's played by Michael Johnston. Um, he's, he's 15. He, he lives in the suburbs, in Texas, at high school. And he, he kind of channels his homoerotic urgings, if you like, into, into writing this really terrible prose, which is known as slash fiction. Um, his stories are about this guy called Vanguard. Who, and they have all these great clips of, of this guy in this sci-fi movie you know, tussling and wrestling with his nemesis and they start getting their clothes off. It quickly switches to him actually writing this stuff down and one of his classmates nicking the book out of his hands and they all, his classmates, see what he's been writing and just crucify him for it. He gets absolutely ripped a new one and mercilessly teased. Ends up in the headmaster's office and, and interacts with uh, Julia, who's played by Hannah Marks, who's 
I think she's a year older than him. Um, and it soon becomes apparent that she dabbles in erotic fan fiction as well. Um, and then it follows the relationship between the two, how he kind of gets pulled into the fan fiction world. Yeah, it, it was a really, really interesting look at, at, at fandom. I love anything that shines a light on something that you know we don't know about. I mean, I'm guessing you guys, you know, weren't particularly um, up on on this weird subgenre. No, not not really. I mean, I've heard of it, but never, you know, ventured towards it, if you like. Yeah, Michael Ian Black actually turns up is they have um, you, you know they have all these cons and mm-hmm. they have a fanfic con and and they submit their articles and stuff and both of them um end up going going to this michael ian black is like the organizer um and he takes a very special interest in in, in neil bearing in mind he's only 15 and there's this really kind of creepy pedo undercurrent and hats off to michael ian black for doing it because if you if you do you know who he is not off the top of my head. Okay, if you saw him, he's a comic actor. He's always, you know, played Larking About. He's in Run, Fat Boy Run, Wet Hot American Summer. He's one of those guys. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. who he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, was really, it was great to see him rock up in this little tiny indie film. Um, but the two leads, Michael Johnson and Hannah Marks, they are really good. It really is. It's a... Although the, the whole coming of age thing has been done to death, mm. they it, the, just by setting it in this weird subgenre, it's really good. It really was really funny, really engaging, and on screen those two together, absolutely mesmerising. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, we got to speak to the director afterwards. Really nice guy. He he spoke about you know the community's reaction to it because you know the, you don't want to piss off. <laughs> the people in a community you're kind of shining a light on yeah. mm-hmm. um how he got the funding for it how you know he got michael Ian black involved it was yeah i've no idea when this is going to come out it's a, I'm, I'm guessing a long long way off getting a release but but when it does i think it's going to do really well it's got really good reviews it's got 100 percent on rotten tomatoes from the critics that have reviewed it so far and most importantly what he doesn't do, you've got to remember, this is a really easy subject to take the piss out of. You've got to think there's some real mm-hmm. low-hanging fruit here. There's some proper fucking dingbats in this community. And he treats the whole thing so sympathetically and, and with such respect and, and hats off to him. However, <laughs> I'm not making a film about it. And I have got a few examples. Great. <laughs> Would you like to hear a few? I would like to hear some of the scholarly, uh, literary, iconic pieces for the age. Yes. Excellent. This this mm-hmm. is based on the, on the popular motion picture Jurassic Park. Cautiously at first, lest he somehow alarm her or turn her off, Joffrey began to lightly rub the area around her velocigina with his chin nuzzling the rough pebble-like folds of skin surrounding it with his tongue. The creature howled with a terrifying primordial delight and thrust herself back against Joffrey's mouth, knocking out his front teeth and ramming his lower jaw deep inside her. What the fuck? (laughs) What? (laughs) I'm not kidding. They get worse. 
You ready for Star Wars? <laughs> okay. She, Wait, got what else? On, she got down on all fours and took Chewie's penis into her mouth, stroking it and spitting on it, even biting it. Chewie didn't mind, though. Him and Leia both seemed to like it raw and hard. They should have started doing this months ago. Luke was doing her in the behind. <laughs> I can't read anymore. I just get worse. <laughs> oh, my God. You, th- you think I'm making this stuff up, don't you? You could well be. <laughs> I, 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 honestly, I've got some for Harry Potter, which is just, I can't even read because it's so vile. Um, but I have got one. Uh, t- the Tomb Raider one, again, is, it's just too gross, even for the foul critics audience. But I do have a Pokemon one. Oh, really? He drew one hand out of her weeping puss, much to her protest. Just the one? With the other, he cut her cervix and twisted. Pain cut her and she clenched her teeth and moaned, cleanly chopping her father's dick off as he came. The doctor fell backwards and the nurse sat upright straight. Her vision blurred from the pain, but she was just barely able to see what David was doing. I have n- How that relates to... David? I don't anyway, know. sorry. <laughs> I was reading the thing about this. The, the Pokemon one is apparently the worst fan fiction written of all time. And the guy who wrote it is called David. So David clearly fantasizes about having. Okay, I see. Right, he put himself into it. Well, unless it, unless it's like that scene um, in the Office Christmas special where Brent's talking about his future and he's saying, "Oh, I'm, you know, I'll be my own boss. Oh, I'll be in bed in the morning. Oh, do I have to go to work today, David? Or can I stay in bed? No, David, you can stay off today. That's that's me talking to myself, not me in bed with another man called David. <laughs> so it might be something like that. If it's nothing just, else from this, I have to say, whoever inver- invented the word velocigina is a genius. Well, like well, you say, genius. I think you're, <laughs> you're going to do that dinosaur I've, porn. I've, the velocigina. <laughs> I think you're throwing a term genius around far too differently there. <laughs> I'd like to use the term madman or future serial killer. But it does highlight the point that that film could have all the, all the term, gone to town on these guys. Hmm. Or the term man who steals sister's underwear. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. See Owen. <laughs> Owen's seen a film called The Harvester, which I assume is a, a documentary about the, the popular restaurant chain. I haven't seen a film called The Harvester. I saw a film called The Harvesting. Same thing. Yeah. Hmm. Um, which is an indie film. Uh, it's not out yet. It'll be out in the UK on uh, DVD and digital on Monday the 18th of July 2016, courtesy of Solo Media and Matchbox Films, apparently. On VHS um, and Betamax. Mm-hmm. We were we were sent a screener across. I had to look at the trailer. I wasn't overly enthused by the trailer, I have to admit. It did look... A, I mean, it is a micro-budget indie film, and it did look a bit like... A micro micro budget indie film, as you'd uh, as you'd expect. But what I was kind of in the mood to just watch a, a cheap horror film, really. You know, sometimes you just feel like that. I watched the uh, Intruders um, the other day because it's just come out on VOD as well, just in the UK, which is uh, not great either. It's very one note all the way through. Um, it's got an interesting twist in it. It's a home invasion film with a very unusual twist but uh otherwise there's not much else to it um but i just want i just wanted more it was just you know it's a 90 minute film so i thought yeah why not i will i will review this 
for the podcast. So, um, yeah, it's about a wife and a husband. They decide that the only way to keep their family from falling apart, they've got two young kids, the only way they can keep the family from falling apart is to leave the city and move to a uh, remote area. Now, this remote area is surrounded by Amish people, societies, communities. Right. So what they end up doing is living in a house where an Amish guy massacred his family years ago before jumping in front of an articulated lorry and splattering himself across the road. So you've got kind of imagine it's like, um, it's, I suppose it tries to be a bit like a folky horror thing, but it, it's more like Amityville crossed with a little bit of The Shining because the father gets a bit mad and there's an axe and stuff. But, you know, with but with Amish people kind of randomly popping up to annoyingly cackle like witches. I mean, it, it, there's, there's this woman who begs the mom not to let her kids play in the woods or, you know, these Amish people just speaking a few proverbs and basically, oh, isn't it a bit creepy because they're a bit weird because they're Amish. That's it, really. So to make them a bit more odd, they do stuff like properly cackle and it's just not creepy there's no atmosphere i didn't didn't enjoy that about it at all um it's one of these where you get the impression that maybe the director or the writer finds amish people creepy and therefore they expect everyone else to without doing any work so it was a bit tiring um i think the biggest issue is that it's trying to be all things at once so like kids say creepy things um, you know, with the parents then saying, what are you talking about? Tell me, followed by, you'll find out soon enough. And it's just, it's very basic stuff here. Uh, it's got some kind of law building with the solstice, which uh, is coming. It's meant to be foreboding, uh, which really deserved more attention than it got because like, there's just a distinct lack of consistency in the tone and the atmosphere. And, you know, maybe, maybe that's because, as happens in a lot of micro-budget films, the director's just too ambitious. You know, they have such a relatively tiny budget, so they try to include things that they can't really do justice to. So, uh, just pick one off the top of my head, I guess. There's, there's a hazy dream sequency type bit about an airing where the kids wander off in the middle of the night after their parents have a fight and they go into the woods. Uh, well, I mean, I guess it's not kind of, a, it's not like a dream, but they're just seeing something that seems to have happened to someone else in this remote part of the woods, where a guy goes a bit crazy, shoots people before turning the gun on himself. You know, I get the impression that it's all, it's, it's meant to be seen as weird and trippy to kind of mimic um, a, the fact the character is huffing gas and off his face and you see something like that a bit earlier on as well. So it's a callback of sorts or kind of resolution to something. And B, the, the, the chaos that's going on in the children's lives is reflected in the scene that's been all trippy and weird. But, I mean, it doesn't have a particularly strong payoff, in my opinion. And when you're as aware of the scale of the production as you get from the harvesting, instead it just seems more like a chance for the director to both ex kind of experiment and show off a little bit as well which is as well i'm torn again because part of me is thinking well fair enough i guess you know you i'm not going to knock someone for trying to uh extend what they can do with the budget and with the the, the actual they want to express their creativity so it's fine but 
on the other, the other side of the fence, you've got, well, yeah, but then the whole film is disjointed and, to be honest, lame. You know, there's nothing drastically wrong with the way the film looks, although it's, it's as far as I can tell, it's been edited quite well. But, I mean, just it's just bad. It's just bad. The acting was worse than Amdram standard from the majority of the cast. Um, there's no chemistry or tension between the wife and the husband. I mean, it's like when you see them on screen, it's like that seems like the first time they've ever met in their entire lives, um, which is a shame. And anything with the Amish in it is just laughable. Uh, the dialogue for anybody is unnatural, but the delivery of it is just so unconvincing. I can't express how bad this fucking cackling Amish woman is. And the one, the one who tries to help the mother called Sarah, they're just so bad, so, so bad. And I'll... Uh, it was just it was just a bad film in general, and it feels bad saying it's a bad film, but it is. <laughs> you know, I can't I can't dress it up as anything. But um, I will just finally add that it's a ninety minute film. It feels much longer than ninety minutes. Um, there are individual bits in the film to admire if you like indie thrillers. You know, I'm sure there'll be specific points that you'll make a note of and take away from the film as positives but as a whole it just didn't do anything for me um it's not really worth a poke when it comes out on the 18th either unless you're really into indie thrillers i mean it's not even a horror film i don't know what it is yeah my advice is you know nice try i will see what the director does next but yeah this is a, what you might call a stepping stone project. First up of our new releases, we are going to review the newest uh, Tarzan adaptation, which is, Owen, oh, I believe, The Legend of Tarzan. The Legend of Tarzan? Yes, starring yes, um, Alexand- Alexander Skarsgård and Margot Robbie and Samuel L. Jackson and Christoph Waltz. And it's just a big load of shit. It's crap, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 not, it's, what, it's meant to be a big summer blockbuster. Um, and it's terrible. It, it, it's, it's it, I don't know who it's meant to be aimed at. It's certainly mm-hmm. not meant to be aimed at kids, but it doesn't seem to be aimed at adults, and it's just boring. The CGI doesn't look great. The story's rubbish. The acting's rubbish. Um, the plot is just a bit kind of... The plot, should something like this, should be quite a bit silly, really. It's, not, it's all far too serious with kidnappings and ransoms and mining and politics and borders and King of Belgium, and it's just... Yeah. I mean, it's not... Um as straightforward as it should be for like what's I mean it's a PG-13 and I don't know why they went for a PG-13 with something like this because they do not make use of it you know it might as well have been just a PG action film for kids because I guess there's a bit of I don't know implied sexual moments in it if you like you know it might pop up on a parent's guidance but and there's you know some of the jokes are a bit you know, they're, they're not kids' jokes. You know, talking about with Samuel L. Jackson, who's the best thing in the film? Um, and he's just... They make a joke about him licking the gorilla's nuts. And he's just shouting in the film. He's just doing his bit where he shouts. Yeah, 
the disbelief raised eyebrow sort of like mm. motherfucker. Have you, have you, ever, seen, have you ever seen the Dave Chappelle Samuel L. Jackson sketch? No. I'll send you a link later. It's it's okay. hilarious. But yeah. it's that it was that kind of Samuel, just shouting, just being loud. Skarsgård was awful. Like just charisma vacuum for some lead characters meant to be some kind of bombastic action hero. It's, yeah, I mean, he's clearly hired because he can get his shirt off and look convincing as Tarzan. But he, did, he didn't have any charm to it. Mm-hmm. Like the last, the last Lost Boy in a Jungle film that we saw, The Jungle Book, completely different films, I know. But, kind, mm-hmm. you know, kind of maybe similar. You know, Disney have both done adaptations of it before. So there's, you know, and they're, they're, they're people lost in a jungle, humans lost in a jungle that make friends with animals. So this, so, but you know, it had quite a lot of charm. This had none of mm-hmm. that. It was nowhere near as fun as George of the Jungle, which is probably one of the best Tarzan adaptations ever. <laughs> I, couldn't, yeah. I couldn't say that. Really? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't say that. Can, can I ask you, what's your history with Tarzan? Um, not really any, to be honest. I mean, I know of the legend of you know Tarzan and what it's about. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure I've seen something. I've never seen the original silent black and white films, which I hear are pretty good, but. Because I no. remember Johnny uh, Johnny Weismuller. Um, uh, when I was a kid, they were always on TV. I, 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 40s or 50s, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that very distinctive cry he used to do and, and the chimp and everything in it, they were really good. I used to love them. But it's just it's much like things like The Lone Ranger. They ain't going to work today. Well, the thing is, they they do try to not they don't update it at all. It's still set in whatever year it is, eighteen something. Um, but the the it's kind of told mostly through flashbacks as well. So you get um, Alexander Skarsgård playing Tarzan or John Clayton, the English Lord John Clayton, as he is, um, who's now being forced to go back to Africa. And so he gradually, through the course of the film, gets more and more Tarzan-like. And so through that as well, the flashbacks go back to showing you him in the jungle and how he was raised by the gorillas and stuff. Um, But it's boring. It's really... It's tedious. It's boring. It's lame. It's just dull. The action in it is just tiresome. Christoph Waltz in this. I didn't think I'd ever see a bad performance from him. And maybe it's not a bad performance, but his character has got nothing to him. There's no menace. There's no threat. Um, it's just bad. It's badly written. Margot Robbie does nothing either. Samuel L. Jackson has a few quips, but like Steve said, he's just being Samuel L. Jackson, really. Um, yeah, it's just a really bad film. It's just boring. Boring, boring, boring. Yeah, it is just... Land boring, <laughs> waste of everyone's time. The people in it are just seem to be phoning it in and taking a paycheck. Yeah, there's no there's no commendable performances in there, really. None at all. And the story is just all over the place. It doesn't it doesn't benefit from having these flashbacks. It doesn't benefit from being told in a kind of non-linear fashion because the flashbacks don't add anything but to save on having a prequel afterwards. 
Yeah. That's all it does, you know. There's no ben- there's no character building. The only thing it changes is the you know, one one seed in the flashback has any particular note, and that's when you see his dad. Yeah. And that's it. You know, you see his family and how he ended up there. And that's it. Um I can't recommend it to anybody. No. I would rather have gone and seen Now You See Me Too. Because although I hear that is just, you know, crap. There are things to admire in heist films, and you know you have the gimmicks and and some little bits to entertain you. The first "No, You See Me" was um, it was bad, but it was it was entertaining bad. Whereas Tarzan is just bad. Mm. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just crap. Yeah, what a waste! What a waste of one hundred eighty million dollars that was. Anyway, um, on to what Paul's seen now, which is Neon Demon. Yes, indeed. Very controversial, as you would expect from um, Nicholas Winding Refn. I need to touch upon probably my history with him, first of all, because it ain't been great. Um, I well, know he people... did at school. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, he looks like he was bullied at school. <laughs> I was. I know people love the Pusher trilogy. I really didn't. I, I thought it was, it was just terrible. And then he he went on a, a on a run of films. Um, Bronson was my. I think it was my worst film of '08. Valhalla Rising was my worst film of '09. Then along came Drive. I didn't mind it. I, I, it was, you know, I, I didn't love it as much as other people. Only God forgives my worst film of 2013 by miles. In fact, one of the worst films I've ever seen. So really kind of walking into the neon demon, I was thinking, Oh fuck, here we go again. And I should point out, and I think Owen has discovered it ain't easy to see it. Is it? Nope. No, I'm really annoyed that there wasn't a single cinema within 20 miles of me that was showing it when I could see it. And I was just, um, yeah, I mean, it's. I think you pointed something out on Twitter, which I assume you're going to talk about in a minute with these uh, well, yeah, middle ground sort of. I, I had an 80 mile round trip um, after work, which is that's too much. Crazy. And to get and part of that trip, I went past one, two, three, what you would consider smaller art house cinemas. Um, one was showing like. Remember, like uh, archive footage of Albanian folk singers, you know, <laughs> full on hardcore art house stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, but the others were showing Ab Fab and the Life of Pets. There's, there's, I just feel like the films in the middle are being squeezed. They're not completely out there, weird foreign language dancing movies shot on 35 millimeter, nor are they blockbusters. Where do you go to see? the films that sit in the middle they're not one or the other because where i live all the what would be considered art house cinemas you know the smaller ones are all showing exactly the same stuff as the multiplexes which makes no sense i can go and see abfab at one of you know 10 cinemas within 20 miles but not one of them had the foresight to show the neon demon now, I don't know if that's economics, if that's distribution, if that's the, their fault, the film company's fault, but something doesn't add up. And this has happened again and again. Things like Stoker, I remember vividly. Mm-hmm. Um, another example, 
very similar to this very middle ground spring breakers you couldn't see that anywhere here and these are just things that, you know the top of the top of the head that i wanted to see there must be an awful lot of stuff that an awful lot of people want to see and just can't is it yeah. similar to where you are oh absolutely yeah i've got yeah. a five screen cineworld unless it's you know 15 rated or lower and primarily aimed at teens then i ain't gonna get to see it really um i miss out on some some of the i mean stoker was one that i was really annoyed about i really wanted to see that because you know park jam book i wanted to see this film i heard it was actually pretty good um and then yeah wasn't shown near me at all um it it's the same here. It's the same here. I didn't see Only God Forgives either at cinema because surprise wasn't shown here. Um, which I guess you might think is a bit of a blessing, Paul. But I I ended up enjoying Only God Forgives when I saw it on there. Whereas Steve somehow in Paul in Dorset, there's more showings there than, than even in London. I don't know how that's happened or, or why, but that is we're, that we're was, weird down here. <laughs> anyway proper weird proper weird uh, was it because Gaz is in town I don't know <laughs> I, when, when Owen's seen the harvesting I thought it was something to do with the Wurzels <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought like you he said the harvester yeah but there you go anyway I got Max a brand and... new combiner yeah I thought it was oh I've never heard Steve sing yeah. on the podcast before there's a first it, it was. It took the Wurzels I to bring it out of him. Who'd have thunk it? I only do the Wurzels. <laughs> do you remember when Mary Whitehouse Experience talked about the Harvester and they talk about the dressings and the, the one that looks like sick and the one that looks like semen? <laughs> <laughs> just, just you know, think on that next time you go in there for a, for the salad bar. Why would you ever go in there? I've no idea. I don't think I've ever been in a Harvester. No, I haven't. I think oh, it's, it's, it's okay. Once, yeah, you know, there's one down the road. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Let's tell, tell you about the Neon Demon. Yeah, go on. Go on, then. Go on. <laughs> it was fucking amazing. And I never thought I'd say that. Absolutely amazing. Um, Elle Fanning, I think, again, I wasn't expecting much from her. She plays Jessie, who is a um, 16 year old girl. She arrives in Los Angeles to be a model. And the thing you need to understand about this film is. It's set in a vacuum. Everyday life doesn't really exist. So all the minutiae of doing stuff, m money, movement, getting around, none of this really exists in this film. She just arrives in LA. She has these pictures taken. She's then um, seen by an agency who then move her on to this really famous photographer. And her career just goes dum, 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 dum in front of your eyes. But you don't see any negotiations about money, any day-to-day -day life. It's You kind of have to take that on board and accept it, otherwise it will drive you nuts. Along the way, she meets a, a makeup artist called uh, Ruby, played by Jenna Malone. She is awesome in it. Um, and she's then introduced to two utter, utter cunts. Um <laughs> Sarah, played by Abby Lee, and Gigi, who is utterly terrifying. Uh, Bella Heathcote, I think her name is. She's so stunningly beautiful. It's unbelievable. And you need to kind of see it to contextualise what I'm saying here. But 
Yeah, she is amazing. She looks amazing, but staggeringly vacuous. So she's fucking brain dead in this. It's really, really hard to kind of when when she's talking to these other models, they're almost like Beavis and Butthead. They're just brain dead. But you can see that they're actually acting. They're not actually models who are brain dead, which is which makes a massive difference. But the film follows um, Elle Fanning's trajectory upwards through the modelling fraternity and how her fellow models turn on her. They really, really don't fucking like her. It's beautifully shot. It's wonderfully colourful, as all his films are. It's really minimalist. There's, There's only a few people in it. And it's been incredibly um, divisive. I, I've mm-hmm. actually picked up a few reviews here. Um, and these are all from grown-up press, proper, you know, like the New York Times, etc. Uh, and they've said that um, it's pretentious, self-indulgent rubbish, uh, laughably uh, grotesque, fatally unfunny, a special kind of awful, uh, dumbfoundingly awful, hot, offensive garbage, repellent, Uh, I want to pick this film up and throw it across the room. Uh, And do you know what? I can see where they're coming from because all the characters in it are completely empty. But it is, you know, it is this allegory about the modelling industry. Um, The soundtrack lifts this beyond anything I can imagine before. It is just amazing. Proper synths, thundering bass... But when you when you combine that soundtrack with these visuals and what's going on on screen, it's just mesmerising. Mean, I just sat there for two hours, completely transfixed. Even though for the first probably 70, 75 minutes, not a lot happens. You just see El Fanning move through the models of uh, through the ranks of the models. Then in the last third, it becomes properly vile, twisted, and utterly disgusting. The stuff you see is just beyond reproach, and I fucking loved it. Are you going to go and Good see then. it, Owen? <laughs> no, pardon? Are you going to go and see it? Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if I'll get time to, to see it now because I don't know how long it's going to last in cinemas either. But there's one which is Milton Keen, so if I get the opportunity to one evening this week, maybe. Um, but... Uh, Otherwise, I may just wait because that's what I was going to do anyway. Wait for it to come out on Google Play or whatever. It will lose, honestly. I know people often say, oh, you need to see it at the cinema. But this really is the case because the sound and the visuals lend themselves to the cinema. Unless you've got like a a massive screen and a massive sound system, you are going to miss out. You you Mm -hmm. genuinely will. Yeah, well, that's what Brooke... He wrote the review for the website. Yeah, I read it today. Really good. Yeah, and he praised Cliff Martinez for the soundtrack. Oh. Um, Synth-heavy backing track mm-hmm. is what makes the Neon Demon what it is, uh, Brooke said. Yeah, so if you don't have that, you'll, you'll, you'll miss out. And I think... the, I mean, do, do, do you want to touch upon the disgusting things in there or should we just leave that for people to find out themselves? <laughs> Well, give us a flavour. Give us what's, 
you'd have to name them all and go into specific detail. But I mean, what is it that's made it so offensive? Well, to we didn't have any walkouts, um, which I'm told is. And I was looking on Twitter to see, you know, with the hashtag, and, the, and there were plenty of screenings last night alone that people walked out. People object to lesbian necrophilia. Yeah, they're not big fans. And when it when it arrives, it's nowhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be. Cannibalism. Again, when that turns up, it's it, it, he does handle it quite sensitively because El Fanny, I don't know how old she is, but she's not really sexualized in this. The the, the other oh, two. Oh right, okay. I assumed that she would be one of these who uses it to her power, kind she, of thing. You know, she uses her beauty. She doesn't mm. really. It's not okay. overtly right. sexual. Um, mm-hmm. When she is nude, you never see anything, and this is all right. for like for for shoots and stuff like that. There's no, it's not gratuitous until maybe the last fifteen minutes when when the more adult players in the film um, take a take take more centre stage, and then some you know rancid, vile kind of sex stuff happens but even that's only brief it's if you're looking to go and knock one out this ain't the film for you this is not in any way you know goes down that path mm-hmm. it is it is beautifully classy film and and it's handled very very well it's just the last 15 minutes when all the batshit crazy stuff happens and that's what's causing people to you know not maybe not throw up but some of the stuff is just horrendous but yeah, I, I can't recommend it enough. If you if you want a real treat, and the story itself is so simple, and only God forgives, I never fucking clue what was going on. <laughs> In this, you start at point A, and you get to point B, and it's really really simple storytelling. There are very few other players that come into it. Keanu Reeves is one. He plays a sleazy motel owner, and but it, and he's there to serve a very simple purpose in the story, which moves, moves her character on to a different location. Perfect. He did, you know, he, he didn't overstay his welcome. They didn't give him too much work to do. That's all I wanted from that. I, I didn't, that's all the story you need because of the, the music and the visuals that are going on around it more than make up for anything that, that it's missing elsewhere. Cool. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. And most of the people who whose opinion I would value the most are saying that it's a good film, which is better than the reaction that only God forgives was getting. Half the people I would normally pay attention to were writing it off and saying it was shit. So I'm a bit more optimistic with this one. Well, Rotten Tomatoes is, it literally is at 50%. Mm. You know, it's, it's so divisive and, and I can see why. Mm-hmm. And I totally get all of the criticisms, but it depends what you take into it, what you're going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, you need to moderate your expectations to, to just enjoying, you know, a simple story, some great visuals, and a thundering soundtrack. That sounds like it should have been on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, just on now to recommendations for the week ahead. Then, before we wrap up the podcast and. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, film four at seven o'clock on Friday. Uh, sorry, 20 past seven. That's Airplane. Mm. Classic comedy. Yeah, 
there's not a lot on telly this week, and Netflix haven't been uh, releasing a great deal of new stuff onto Netflix UK. So, um, yeah, it's been a bit crap actually, Netflix UK lately. Yeah, They're not adding anything decent. I mean, no, other than Guardians of the Galaxy that snuck on there the other week, not really a great yeah. deal's gone on lately. And it's been yeah. more TV shows and documentaries and series than it has films. Yeah, more documentaries about sharks than you could shake a stick at. More on the Discovery Channel, perhaps. Mm. Um, Paul? Well, Netflix recently has been utterly amazing, adding loads of really good stuff. <laughs> right. um, the best comedy of the last five years, Clown, is now on Netflix, even though apparently I already knew that but had forgotten. Mm-hmm. Still yes. nobody's seen it. And a new TV drama called Spotless, which is proper proper blokes telly it's um i have really strange because it was made by canal plus two leads of french all set in english set in london it's about a crime scene cleaner who gets roped into uh the world of a gangster um and ends up cleaning crimes for him <clears throat> if you hadn't had enough uh, necrophilia in the in the the neon demon there's more here um it is funny, dark, gripping, and there ain't a lot of telly for blokes anymore. I don't want to be that guy, but but there isn't. There's there's no playing up to. There's no stunt casting. There's no stereotypes in this. They're nearly they're nearly all white. They're nearly all blokes. <laughs> they shag loads of birds, and it is absolutely fucking brilliant. Can't recommend it enough. Spotless on Netflix. And Owen. Basically, depending on whether I get this edited on time. Um, tomorrow, uh, which will be today when this comes out, Wednesday, uh, at five to seven in the evening on Film 4 is The Way Way Back, which is a 2013 comedy about a kid uh, during a summer break who's forced to deal with a douchey stepdad played brilliantly by Steve Carell. Uh, he gets helped out by uh, Sam Rockwell. He's kind of like the cool loser type friend sort of thing. Uh, it's just a really good, funny, lovely little film. However, if I don't edit this on time and you missed that recommendation, sorry, um, Sunday, cut past 10 on Channel 4, Dread. So that'll be my backup. Okay, and as we mentioned earlier, next week we'll be back reviewing Ghostbusters with Brooker and Brian. Thank you all for joining us and we'll see you the same time next week. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening.